Welcome to another edition of Inspired Stories, where leaders share their experiences so we can learn from their successes, how they've overcome adversity, and explore current challenges they're facing. Welcome to another edition of the Inspired Stories podcast, where leaders share their experiences so we can learn from their successes, how they've overcome adversity, and explore current challenges they're facing. My name is Anthony Cotaspodi, and today's guest is Stephen Christopher. He is the founder of Wit Digital, a multi-million dollar marketing agency that serves home services companies. One of their clients said they went from five trucks to 12 trucks after working with them, and the phone just won't stop ringing. They've recently started an outbound calling service for the home services industry. And aside from helping home service companies grow their business through proper digital marketing strategies, He's also a conscious maverick, and we'll learn what that means to him. He uses intuitive coaching to inspire leaders to learn that they can choose the life they want by harnessing the power of creation. And before we get into the good stuff, today's episode is brought to you by my company, Add Back Benefits Agency, where we offer very specific and unique employee benefits that are both great for your team and fiscally optimized for your bottom line. One recent client was able to save over $900 per employee per year by implementing one of our proprietary programs. Another client is going to save over $1,200 per employee per year by implementing a patented construct that we offer. Results vary for each company, and some organizations may not be eligible. To find out if your company qualifies, contact us today at addbackbenefitsagency.com. Now back to our guest today, the founder of Wit Digital, Stephen Christopher. Stephen, I appreciate you making the time to share your story today. Absolutely, man. Great to be here, Anthony. Stephen, tell me in plain English, what does Wit Digital do and how did you get started with it? So plain English, um, we do digital marketing for large home service companies, which home services generally like plumbing, HVAC, electrical, stuff like that. Um, we do search engine optimization, paid advertisement, web design, uh, conversion optimization for those. Uh, we like to keep it really simple because our job is to make their phone rings and get them more leads. How did I get started in this? So uh, I owned a mortgage company until 2008, when at which point in time it crashed and burned. So I learned uh, I learned how to fail in business relatively early on. And out of that, I kind of said, okay, cool. What, what skills did I learn that I could potentially take into another business? And it was like the early days of SEO, search engine optimization. And I had kind of learned how to do that. We ranked first for a lot of these big keywords in the mortgage space. And I was like, cool, I learned SEO. And so on the heels of that, I went and took a job making like 20,000 a year and I started building my next company with a friend and we built a, a digital marketing agency. And then in uh, 2014, just the, the partnership wasn't a good partnership. And so I ended up selling my half to him and started WIT the next day. And that was in 2014. So tell me coming up on bit, 10 years. Tell me a little bit more about the mortgage business. How long were you in that? Yeah, so that was about two and a half to three years, um, and it, it it was it was cool. It was it was very great. Uh, meaning, like I don't know how many people remember what was going on in the mortgage industry, but it was like you know it was crazy, right? It was wildfire, and you kind of like wolf. Interest of Wall rates Street. were low. Yeah, Lots of like, people were know, buying houses, flipping them. Well, yep. 
and you had all these crazy loans, like no income, no asset verification, which, you know, ultimately was uh, kind of the thing that broke the broke the camel's back. But um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And I also realized how little I knew about business. Uh, but it was one of those things like I just went all in. I was like, cool, let's just do this thing and see what happens. And probably a couple of my best lessons out of it was pick resilient industries, hence why we do marketing for plumbing, HVAC, and electrical. Like, you know, even in the biggest recession, if your air conditioning goes out in the middle of the summer and it's 100 degrees, you're probably going to get it fixed. If your toilet goes out, you're probably going to get it fixed or at least prioritize it over a lot of other things. Um, so I learned, I learned to get better perspective, to actually pay attention to what was going outside on outside of my little business and what was going on in the rest of the world and certain things that could have an impact on what I was doing for business. Cause at the time I just didn't really even think of that. And it sounds silly now, but I don't know. It's just one of those lessons that I learned. So tell me more about that experience of having this business that you built up over the course of two or three years, suddenly just collapse. I mean, that had to just be crushing. It was, you know, it was kind of interesting because there was, yeah, like it was, it, it sucked. Like it was super annoying and, you know, I had put a lot of time and energy into it, but honestly, at the same time, there was like almost like a relaxing piece of it, right? Like, you know, I was always so worried, like, man, is, is this really real? Is it ever going to go away? Like, man, am I really creating a business? And so there was this relaxing piece to like, cool like all the pressure is gone and even though i was dead broke and like couldn't pay my rent to my buddy whose house i was living in and couldn't pay my car payment it, i don't know it just wasn't that big of a deal for some reason and i think that probably that was also the thing that started me down the the journey of like mindfulness and you know whatever you want to call it kind of the spiritual side of growth to like cool man like the business crumbled. Can I learn something from it? And like, what's next? So did you have that mindset at the time when it was happening? I mean, I'm hearing you use words like, cool, like, hey, no big deal, whatever, right? Like it, and, and almost like relaxing that it, it failed. But I'm also hearing you say, flat broke. I'm sleeping on my buddy's couch. I don't have any money. I can't pay him rent. Like, how are those two things sort of jiving together? It just kind of, um, so let's see, I mean, to kind of answer the specific question, right? So yes, there was times in that where it was actually stressful, right? Where I was like, geez, I was like, you know, I got no money. I can't do anything. You know, I, I, I can't travel. I can't, you know, if I wanted to take somebody on a date. It was like, all right, cool. Like what's kind of a feasible place that kind of looks nice that um, won't cost anything, but I'd say more than anything, there was just like kind of this relaxation and peace around it. And maybe it was for the right reasons. Maybe it wasn't like, maybe it was more for like, cool. Like now I can't fail any further. You know, you always hear these stories about people hitting rock bottom, right. And then coming back out and there's something just really peaceful about, you know, I, I was by no means at, at a rock bottom, but it was as close as I've ever been. And there's just something peaceful in that. And there's something to where it's like, you don't have to stress anymore. And now all your time and energy can go into what you want to put it into. It was almost as if 
you had this fear, like you were describing that, oh my gosh, is this real? Is this going to go away? Like, am I building a real business? And that fear then was in some sense realized, like, and, and it was taken away very quickly. And so you were able to tell me if I'm wrong, but you were able to face this fear and realize, oh, this isn't so bad. Yeah. This isn't, yeah. but I had it built up in my mind to be. Yeah. I would say that that is, that is an accurate statement. Um, and, you know, depending on how deep you want to get on this, if we're all creating our own realities all the time, like I probably somewhat created that reality because that's what I was focused on. Okay. So this kind of opens the door to what I'm seeing here on your LinkedIn profile. Um, not only are you the founder of Wit Digital, but you are a conscious maverick. And so I'm hearing you talk about um, sort of creating your own reality. Let's dive into this a little bit more. T tell me more about this kind of thinking and, and how you found it. Yeah. Or how so, it I mean, found you. So I would say it found uh, it. You know, I, I think it's there for everybody. Um, it's this underlying pull, right? Like when you're at the job that you hate and you go every day and you have a headache and you're miserable and you know that there's something more, but you don't do anything about it. Um, when you're in a relationship and you know that it's time to exit that relationship, like we're all being pulled toward a, a life of more happiness, more fulfillment, more joy, you know, truthfully more abundance in every way, you know, financial time experience, all of that. You know, we're all being pulled to that because I think that that's just our natural state. And I think we, I think so much of the world has covered that up for us from an early age that we just, we just start to believe it. We just start to believe that life has to be hard. Life has to be stressful. Life has to be, you know, frustrating. There's never enough time. There's never enough money. Like, but come to find out, I just don't really think that that's actually true. And so I think for me, it was just this deeper pull. And when I got to the place where things were so stressful and they just didn't seem to work and I kind of just decided, cool, there's got to be something more. And that's when I started reading like personal development books. And then, you know, I was all in on like, man, if I, I'm going to, I'm going to set my, you know, my, my revenue goal for the year and my personal growth goal. And I'm going to create a vision board in my house. And you know, all that kind of stuff. And that was, that was all fine and good. But what I think a lot of people miss with that is the truth is, is that for most of us, when we do that, it doesn't actually feel good, right? We look at our vision board and half the time we feel like crap because we don't have the things that we say that we want. And I did that for a, a several years and I would look back at my journals and I was like, dude, I'm setting the same freaking goals every year and I'm never quite getting them. And I just feel like shit when I don't. And so phase three, there's got to be something more. Then I started going down more of a spiritual path and not religious or anything, just like, cool, man, you know, like hippie stuff. Like, you know, why are we here? Like, let's, you know, let's go deep. Let's get into, you know, meditation. I mean, some of the stuff that, you know, that you've done with me, Anthony and then really started to just kind of see what else was possible. And so I think that uh, the the suffering kind of led me down a path of there's more and the ability to listen to that pull. 
And even when I was doing the things that I thought that most people told me I should be doing, right? Get your vision board, set your goals, like do all this. I was like, this doesn't feel any better than when I was like completely miserable and broke. But it's just this weird trick of like, yeah, man, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to, I'm a manifester, but it didn't feel good. And I was just like, cool, there's got to be more. And I think the, you know, I think a lot of people stop in that and then they just end up perpetually creating more of what they don't want. But I'll kind of digress here for a minute. Uh, but yeah, it was like, if you don't actually feel good, then I'm kind of missing the point of life. And so I just said, cool, I'm going to find things that make me feel good. And then when I started feeling better and I started having more fun and I started letting go of like these old beliefs of how things should be and, you know, what most of us might consider facts, like I just started letting them go, like magic started happening. And then I finally started realizing, oh shit, like we do live in a universe where kind of our minds and our thoughts and our energy create stuff. I just didn't realize that I was aiming in the wrong direction for quite some time. So would you say it was the release of the attachment to these things that was kind of like a flip of a switch for you? I would say that that was a, was a big part of it. Um, and then probably the bigger part was down the journey of like self-awareness, right? Like truly being honest with myself, like, okay, what am I actually thinking about all day? And I did this weird exercise. I forgot if I heard it somewhere or not, but I basically took a tape recorder and for three days in a, in a little notepad. And for three days, I, I voice recorded or wrote down every thought I, I had, at least that I could capture, right? And I mean, this would go on for like 20 hours a day. And yeah, it's a very interesting experience. Like I, I wouldn't recommend it to a lot of people, but if you're kind of a glutton for punishment and you really want to figure out what you think about all day, uh, do this. It will make you feel kind of crappy, but then you can realize what, what the truth is, right? Like we all, we all tend to go around thinking we're like these positive people and like, yeah, man, I'm thinking about what I want. Like the truth is most of us are not doing that. Like we're thinking about crappy stuff all day and we're, we're poisoning ourselves. And so anyway, point being is that the 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 journey of kind of self-awareness and just being honest with myself about yeah like dude I, I i think a lot of non-ideal thoughts and like how can i change that and so you know you go into like buddhism and some other religions like that like they talk about discipline and i used to think discipline was like against the flow of the universe and you know life and god and whatever but it kind of dawned on me like if I'm going to be disciplined about anything, be disciplined about like what thoughts I'm allowing to get wings and legs in my mind. And the ones that I don't want, be disciplined about letting those go. And then shining a light on the, the good ones, shining a light on like the things that are going well and the potentials that I really do want, even if I don't know exactly how to get them. Um, but yeah, I would say that's and so is what you're describing, is it sort of the, the power of positive thought is just when I'm thinking better thoughts, when I'm thinking happier things, I'm putting myself into a better mindset. And so I'm just going to be happier about what comes my way. Or are you describing something that's a little bit more metaphysical that you believe takes place where kind of like, um, what was that, that book in the movie a while back, The Secret, where you're actually attracting it yeah. to you? 
Yeah, I mean, here's the basics of it, right? Like everything is energy, right? Like, you know, we're, you know, we, we think that the desk is solid and blah, blah, blah. And really it's just made up by a bunch of energy and vibrating molecules and stuff. And so like attracts like. So whatever, whatever vibration we are vibrating at, we're going to attract and create more of that. And so, you know, I don't necessarily know that I would follow exactly what the secret says. I think there's some pieces missing in there, but the simple part of it is like, when you feel good, the universe and God and whatever reflects back more things to feel good about. So whether that's the new car, whether that's more money, whether that's more travel, whether that's a better relationship, whether it's whatever it is, right? So it's not necessarily about like forced positive thinking, because I think that that was a trend that that also created a lot of issues, kind of like the whole vision board thing, right? Because, you know, people get up in the morning, they feel like shit, but yet they're over here reading this mantra about like, you know, what's the old Stuart Smalley when he looks in the mirror, like, you know, I'm, uh, Good I'm good I'm looking. I'm whatever. And... Yeah, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And, you know, I got I, it. People I, like I got me. it. People like me. <laughs> and so, I think the I think the most important thing, and this is like even how we teach our staff about this stuff, is when you say something, does it feel good or not? And if it doesn't feel good, then you need to find a better entry point to it. So if you're like, I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. And and deep down, you're like, you know, I can't even figure out how to make a thousand dollars a month. Like cool, you should probably not try to force yourself to think the thoughts of I'm a millionaire. Like, what if you could just think a thought and feel a positive emotion around, you know, I I can be abundant. I just haven't quite figured out how to do it yet. You know, like, what's something that you can actually hold on to and feel good about? And then as you feel good about that thing, you will get the opportunities that lay out in front of you to move you down that path. And, you know, that's just where, I don't know, man, the, the whole, like, you know, social media, right? Like they just, you got a bunch of people trying to tell other people what to do that haven't even done the thing that they're teaching, trying to make money or trying to like fake it till you make it. And I don't think that they're ill-intentioned. I think that they're just not there yet to be able to be a teacher but you have so many people that are kind of in like a crappy place where they're just like oh my gosh like i'll listen to anybody if they can help me and so it's this big issue about like be careful about who you're taking advice from like is the person that you're taking advice from a life that you would want to actually live and you know most of the time it's no um but i don't know man like we put so much pressure on ourselves to do all these things and be all these things. But in reality, it is a disconnect. And we are we are literally pulling the opposite direction of what we say we want. And that's why you have so many people that aren't getting what they want. You have people that are extremely unhappy, that live in this constant state of stress. And that's why they're like, see, I told you, like I told you it wasn't gonna work. I told you that the relationship wasn't going to work. The business wasn't going to work. The money wasn't going to come like, well, yeah, of course it's not going to come because you didn't actually expect it to. So do you have any resources that you recommend for people, whether they're particular instructors to follow, maybe books or websites that you have found helpful on your path? Yeah. So this is an interesting question, right? I used to always have a ton of books, um, I have some bigger books like, you know, Eckhart Tolle, A New Earth, one of my favorite books. Um, they're very kind of woo-woo, high out spiritual. 
and and not everybody is going to be ready for those. I mean, I read some Eckhart Tolle 10 years ago and I was like, what the, I was like, this guy is ridiculous. And he talks so slow. Like, how could I ever listen to this? And now I go back and listen to it. I'm like, oh yeah, I totally get it now. So I'll say this. Um, I think that it's really important for people to be cautious about what they are seeking because you can spend so much time reading the next book, following the next guru, and we think we get it mentally. And so we move on to the next thing, but it doesn't actually sink in. And so what I would tell people to do is, you know, I, I love some authors like Eckhart Tolle, Wayne Dyer, Joe Dispenza. You know, I think you could just pick any of those and just listen to something and see where it ends up taking you. See what next book recommendation, see what next YouTube recommendation, but be really cautious about just taking in information over and over and over and over and learn to actually get to know yourself a little bit. Like, you know, for people listening, like when's the last time you just sat in a dark room and closed your eyes for 10 minutes and like breathed consciously, like deep into your belly and see what shows up. Like we're always looking for these answers outside of us, right? But very few people take the time to kind of get to know, know yourself. And we have this amazing intuitive guidance system called, you know, feelings and emotions. And we just, you know, we were never taught as kids to get in touch with those. And so we lose out on this whole, you know, sixth sense or whatever you want to call it. So before you go down paths of just like following teachers, right? Like also make sure that you're learning to get in touch with yourself at the same time, then you can more consciously choose who those teachers are that you should be listening to right now. Because there's teachers that I had 10 years ago that were perfect for me at the time because they opened a door to something else. But now I look back and I'm like, haha, yeah, like I would never listen to anything you're saying because you just, you know, you, you never actually evolved. But thank you for opening that door for me at that point in time. Is there something that's a little bit more entry level for people who maybe aren't ready for kind of the woo-woo that you put it? Um, you know, Wayne Dyer has some really good stuff that is what I would consider to be like entry level because it bridges that gap between kind of, you know, big picture spirituality, but also like manifestation. Um, and so I, I think he's a really good kind of intro person. If you're finally ready to lean into this, like, you know, the universe is all energy and, you know, manifestation and like, and stuff like that. So I, I would say he's a good one um, to kind of start that stuff with. I mean, Joe Dispenza is great because Joe Dispenza does a ton with science. So people that need something to grasp onto that's kind of factual or scientific, there's, there's plenty of proof in a lot of his books um, to like, hey, like meditation can can completely heal you. And here's 17 examples of how, how it happened with x-rays and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so how does this type of conscious, conscious maverick thinking show up in your business for your employees, for your clients? So we talk about this stuff with them. I mean, I have a one-on-one -on -one with every employee in the company every other month and my whole kind of, uh, my structure for my one-on-ones is very much towards mindset, right? So bring me the things that are stressing you out. Bring me the things that, you know, that you're, that you can't quite work through in your mind. Bring me the things that are 
making you, you know, making you unhappy. Um, and I'll kind of work through that. And then my business partner focuses more on the structure of the business during his one-on-ones. But I don't know, like, I'm just a believer that this stuff works because I've seen it work over and over again. And like, I just, I use it all the time. And so we don't force any of this kind of stuff on our employees, but we make it available. And we talk about things like, I mean, we do, we do meditations to sometimes open up our all team meetings. And, you know, at first, like with new employees, they're like, oh my gosh, this is weird. Like, did I join a cult or whatever? And we'll do like a 10 minute meditation. And I'm like, cool. Do you feel better now than you did before? And they're all like, well, yeah, I feel great. I'm like, perfect. You can do this at any point in your day. Right. And so we're giving them these tools that are that are leaving cracks in doors, and then they can choose to walk through ones that they're ready for, that they want to. But I believe in business that, you know, business is really the number one place that we have to impact adults, right? So kids, you have school um, and whatever your opinion is on that. But with adults, right? Like business is the place where they spend the most time and it's where most people are going to get almost all of their education from, right? Because other than that, they go home, they hang out with their spouse, they hang out with their family, they go to you know football games and whatever, and you hear chatter on the sidelines. But I mean, there's nowhere else to actually educate adults that aren't seeking it besides business. And so I, I believe that as a business owner, like I have some sort of a duty to like help people grow if they want to. It's not forced, right? Like, I don't care if you meditate or you don't meditate, but I encourage you to like try things on and see, does it feel better than what you had been doing before? So we make it a point to to make this stuff available to our employees. I coach, I mean, a handful of our clients on this type of stuff. Like when our clients are having bad days, they they call me. And like, how cool is that? You know, like we're not just a marketing agency, like we're the resource that they call when they're having a bad day or they're struggling or like, you know, they, they know that they're trying to create something, but it keeps not happening. And like, we'll work through that stuff with them. It, I'm curious how those, those kinds of conversations come up for the first time with a client. <clears throat> so it's kind of weird, but besides people that might know or have heard me talk about this stuff, because I'll talk about it occasionally, like through our social media and stuff like that. Um, but this is the weird part. We'll just get clients that call and and they'll even just say, they're like, dude, I don't know why I'm calling you. I just, your name popped into my head and I thought maybe you could help. And I'm like, yes, perfect. That makes perfect sense. Right? Like it's just, you can't, you can't, um, you can't deny the amount of, you know, coincidences in the world. Like if you are open to helping somebody, the people that need help with your skills will just show up. So who is your ideal client? Like why would somebody hire you guys versus one of your competitors? Yeah. So ideal client, um, you know, the specifics about it is a home service company that does, you know, probably three, 4 million on the low side up to about 40 million on the high side. Uh, and they desire a marketing agency that will actually create a partnership with them. And I know all agencies say this and all agencies say they have, you know, the secret sauce and how to get results and blah, blah, blah. But we've actually just done it. 
and we actually partner with them. We, you know, we go in and I mean, we listen to hundreds of their phone calls uh, during a given month to try to figure out where's the revenue going? Is there an issue? Is there a lead generation issue? Are you just, are your CSRs not doing a good job answering the phone? Um, kind of whatever it takes to truly help them identify issues and solve them, whether it's within the set of or set of uh, things that they're paying us for or not. And honestly, as simple as it sounds, that's why people partner with us because we are there all the time. We send them weekly updates, whereas most market, marketing agencies don't talk to these people for you know sometimes months on end unless the client reaches out to them. Like they're just they're just a number to a lot of agencies. And we train our staff the importance of like, hey, what we do for them is very, very important. What we do is drive leads and that drives revenue. And if we're not driving enough leads, they're having to send technicians home and their technicians don't get paid if they're not working and that impacts the family. And then that imp impacts that family. And then that family takes that out into their community. That has a negative impact. So I mean, we talk about what we're really doing here and, and our staff enjoy that. Like they take it personally that they are impacting a lot of other people down the chain. And I, I think that's what makes us different. I mean. I'd love to say that we have some sort of secret sauce for, you know, for SEO and pay-per-click. I mean, we are very, very good at it and we get excellent results, but you know, it's not rocket science to do really good SEO. Most agencies are just too lazy to do it. You know, they don't give their staff enough time to do it. And so they don't have good results, but we get really good results and we just, you know, our team laughs internally, right? I don't know if I can say this, but they laugh internally. And the, the thing is, is like, we give a shit the most. And that's their theme that they talk about all the time. And they tell clients that and clients will call me and they'll say like, dude, they, they said this to me and I thought it was BS. But now three months later, they're like, you guys are awesome. Like you actually do care. That's great. You described um, going through the uh, call recordings to see what's going on or the customer service reps doing the right thing, not doing the right thing, following the script, et cetera. Are you guys, uh, I'm guessing the the uh, the advent of a lot of these AI tools is probably making that a lot more feasible, a lot more efficient to do that kind of scrubbing. It's getting there. It's not as far along as we'd like to see it. And it's not as far along as most agencies will tell you. Um, at least not that we found, you know, we're, we don't know everything. And so maybe there is something out there, but um, surprisingly, like there's still some work to be done within AI to really go to the level of detail that, that our team goes to, like, I mean, we'll do reports and it'll say, cool, you know, uh, it took, you know, how many rings did it take to answer? Um, what was the tone and the emotional uh, impact that the CSR had on the person. Did they know the software? Did they not know the software? You know, how many times did they hesitate? How many times did they say, um, did they use any words that could be potentially offensive to somebody? Like we had a client with this really sweet older woman and she called everybody hun. And what we found out is that a lot of people actually didn't like that. And so there's a lot of things that, you know, we haven't found ways to compile using AI to actually do the depth of which we're listening. Um, but I mean, you know, hey, give it six months and it'll probably be there. Right. 
Yeah, I was checking out your blog. Uh, one of your entries, you talk about something called Melissa Data Reports. What are these and how are they valuable to your customers? Yeah, so Melissa Data is, is this big data company. And what they do is it, it's not much. It's a few hundred bucks. We'll basically take our client's entire database, right? All of their existing clients, any past clients, and just anybody that they've talked to or gone to their home or done an estimate for or received a phone call. And we'll upload all of that data and they will spit out this really detailed report um, that shows, cool, your, you know, your average client is a 40 to 65 year old female that has one and a half kids, has a household income of over a hundred thousand, you know, drives a Lexus, whatever, whatever they can aggregate on those people's information. Um, and then that way, now from a marketing perspective, we can talk to that ideal client more intelligently. So if it, if it tends to skew an older demographic, great, we're probably gonna make the website a little more simple, a little larger font. Uh, if it skews younger, we're gonna make, it, make the website look a little bit more like a social media feed because you, know, you get a 35 year old, what are they used to? They're used to sitting on Instagram all day. So we're gonna make the website look a little bit more like that. So it's just information. You know, Our clients already have all of this information on their customers it's just this is a really cool way to kind of aggregate it and um, spit out some reports that that can really help us identify who are we talking to as a true ideal client that way our messaging is on point you know things like font things like color schemes and all of that um, we can be a little bit more intentional with that to speak to their primary ideal client Tell me more about the new call center solution that you guys are offering. Yeah, so in the home service industry, um, there's there's a thing called outbounding. And essentially, you know, you have people that take the calls, right? You know, so that's inbound phone calls that come from leads or existing clients. And that's an important piece. But when home service companies are a little bit slow, um, or if they're just doing a really good job of keeping their brand up, one of the things that they can do is called outbounding, meaning like, you know, an average home service company might have, I don't know, 10,000 people in their database that they've worked for over the years uh, or have called in for estimates and stuff like that. So we will call those people out of their CRM and either just check in on them, see if they need anything, see how they're doing, thank them for utilizing our client. Um, or do things like call on like open estimates, right? So you think about an HVAC person, they go out to a bunch of homes every day, they see people, they're writing an estimate or a proposal for work to be done. And unfortunately, a lot of home service companies, you know, they write the estimate and then that's kind of the end of it. And if the customer calls back and books, cool, like we got the job. If they don't, a lot of times nobody ever follows up on that, on that that lead or that open estimate. And so this is kind of a way to solve that problem for them because inbound call takers, like, like a customer service rep is one type of uh, kind of skill set, right? Like it takes the type of person to do that, but to actually call out and start a dialogue and create trust and show, show somebody, hey, I'm not here to, to sell you anything. I'm just, I'm gonna ask you some questions. I'm gonna see how you're doing. Because uh, none of our stuff is is hard sell. Um, it just takes a very different type of person. And so 
in the industry, very few companies have that kind of outbound department built or have figured out a really good way to do it. So we just saw a, a need in the industry. And so we started, we started building a, a solution for it. So you've got some folks that have sort of the skill and obviously some training as well on how to do it. Um, there's got to be some kind of a tie-in to the client software. Is that sort of a difficult yep. integration to manage there? No, no, they just, they log in directly to the client CRM. Um, they, you know, we, ha we have it sorted to where they know, cool, here's the people that you can call. They can put notes directly in the client CRM. And then when we book something, now we have data directly from the client CRM to say, hey, you know, you guys spent whatever it is, you know, $3,000 with us this month, and we made you, you know, $35,000 based on follow-ups and things like that. So everything we do is out of the client CRM. No, that would be powerful if you've got those reports to be able to tell them, hey, you yeah. paid us whatever it is, you know, $1,000, $2,000 this month for this service. And we turned that into $35,000 in revenue. Makes it pretty easy to get them to renew at that point. Yeah, exactly. And that's how, you know, even from the marketing agency side, everything we do is all based on ROI. So like our, our reporting is we make sure our tracking is all set up in your uh, CRM. And then we pull your ROI data from there every month. So you spend $5,000 in SEO that month. Cool. We made you 95,000. Seems like a pretty good, pretty good investment. Um, you know, pay-per-click it's, you spent this, you made that. Uh, whereas most marketing agencies are just afraid to do that because well, I mean, it sucks, right? Like you're being held accountable to a number that you don't have complete control over. Whereas we just said, you know, we're just going to be held accountable to what the most important thing is. And then we're going to go in and do things like listen to phone calls so we can say, hey, we're doing our job. We're sending you hundreds of leads every month. But, you know, you have four phone, four, four to eight phone calls a day that are going to voicemail. Your CSR, you know, poor Sarah is just, you know, her booking percentage is like 5%. She's losing all these calls. Like, come on, be a good partner with us. We'll we'll take ownership if we're not doing a good job and you need to kind of take ownership in those areas that that you're not doing a good job you're holding your client accountable to do their part of it yeah yeah that's look i mean let's be a partner like let's 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 all do let's all do our part and let's let's have a real relationship to where you can say hey you guys suck this month and we can say you know geez shit sorry we do we'll fix it you know what i mean um, but we need to be able to point out things to you and we're not trying to get rid of the blame or anything. It's just like, you know, guys, these are businesses. Like you got to answer the phone. You've got to book the call. <laughs> we can't just keep getting you more and more leads so that you can squander, you know, 70% of them. Whether you're choosing an employee, a vendor, a business partner, maybe even a client, um, what qualities are most important to you? Um, openness. Right. Like somebody that actually is open to the fact that they don't know everything. So during the sales process, so we've been through a couple different salespeople and business development people and stuff like that. And those people were good. But what we found is that they want to do their job. They want to close business. Right. And so we would get clients that just weren't a good fit that thought they knew everything and just simply didn't. And that would stress our team out. That would take away from other clients. And so uh, me, myself and Andrew, my business partner, we 
one of us talk to every single new client before they come on board because we have to know that they are open to being in a real partnership and you know whatever that ends up meaning down the road but they have to be open to like hey i don't know everything and we'll say that we don't know everything so let's just do a really good job of forming an actual relationship and if if we're kind of stuck in one month great we're on it we're going to fix it and if you're kind of stuck in one month like be open to hearing our feedback and just fix it we're not mad at you we're not we're not trying to point out anything like you're a failure it's just let's be in this thing together and so i mean we kind of have a rule no no jackasses as clients like it's just life is too short you ever fire a client yeah often i guess i wouldn't say often but we always fire clients as soon as they are no longer a good fit and we do not mess around with it what's that conversation sound like you're no longer a fit period goodbye and, and we do so just like internally with staff this is the way we deal with that if if we can go to sleep at night and say we gave this person every opportunity to succeed and they continue to not or not be open to growth or willing to grow then that's the end of that relationship Stephen, I just have one more question for you, but before I ask it, I want to point people to your website so they know how to get in touch with you. It's witdelivers, W-I-T delivers.com. Is that the best place for people to get yeah. in touch with you? Yep. Right. Okay. So last question, how do you see your industry evolving in the next five to 10 years? That's a great question. So do you mean the home service industry or the digital marketing industry? Ooh, which one feels more specific to you? So I'll touch on both of them. So digital marketing, to be really honest with you, I have no idea. And I don't think anybody does, right? Like even the biggest companies, the $100, $200 million companies that are building their own AI and all this kind of stuff, like, you know, I've seen a lot of it and it's cool. But as soon as, as, soon as the rest of the world changes and evolves, it almost becomes obsolete. Like it's, it's happening so quick that, the people that are trying to be out on that little razor's edge and be this like silver bullet or magic bullet or whatever it is, like they're getting some incremental changes, but or some incremental changes in result, but everything else changes so quick that it kind of shrinks it back to almost nothing. And so a lot of those, unfortunately, are selling based on claims of like, oh, we have our own you know, AI that's smarter than anybody else. And I'm like, cool, well then how come every one of your clients in, in markets where we have clients, we're winning? Because we don't have, you know, we don't have a multi-million dollar AI tool. Like we're just doing things right based on how Google wants to see them. So I, I don't know how the digital marketing industry is going to change, but it's always going to change slower than we think it is, right? Like, you know, marketers ruin everything. Like, how many emails a day do you get like, oh my gosh, Anthony, I've got to tell you about this new AI software that my company created and we can book you 14 to 22, you know, new appointments every single day. And we don't, we don't, uh, we don't get paid unless you book. It's all too good to be true. It's all BS. Right. And, and so it's going to change slower than we think it is. And we will have time to, to catch up and things like that. 
And then as far as the home service industry goes, you know, the home service industry is still like five, six years behind most other um, industries. They just had a ton of new like digital marketing come in that are promising, over-promising, under-delivering, and they kind of got burnt on it. So I think they're going back to like, geez, I'm just, I just want to deal with people that are good people that care, that do a good job and that I can actually talk to. Um, and I mean, from a standpoint of like AI and stuff like that, I can't imagine in the next 10 years that robots are going to be replacing hot water heaters and homes. There's just too many variables. Um, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's five years, maybe it's seven, but you know, it's hard to believe that in the next 10 years, these workers are going to re be replaced by some sort of robot or AI, like call centers and stuff, maybe online booking, sure. But I mean, to replace a hot water heater in a home requires just so many different factors that I just don't see it happening. So it would probably take somebody longer to get the robot set up inside the home than it would for the guy yeah, to I mean, come in and do the skill itself. Yeah. I mean, you know, how does a robot know how to like walk down a flight of stairs and, you know, it's a house that was built 40 years ago. And so the blueprints say this, but they've had seven different, you know, they had three different bathrooms put in and, you know, this guy wired this and this guy plumbed this, like you just, you know, it's, it's hard to figure that out. So um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, man, your guess Fair is enough. as good as mine. And I think it, you know, outside of the very, the really, really smart people, which, you know, you and I have some of those in our little group. I mean, outside of those elite few, you know, anybody else online, they're just making it up. They have no freaking clue what's going to happen in the industry and what's not like, they're just trying to sell you something. Um, but there are some really cool people that probably could answer that question. And Hey, maybe they say, Oh dude, hot water heaters. We're, we're in on that in like five years. Watch. Well, it'll be fun to watch and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and that's the other thing, like going back to the beginning of the conversation, like don't stress out about what could be coming in the future, like pay attention to it. Like the lesson I learned from the mortgage company, but dude, when you're just having fun doing what you're doing and, and like, you're helping people and you're feeling good. The next thing will naturally evolve for you. Like you'll never, you can't be left behind if that's the mindset that you have and you're open to the change and you're open to seeing what comes next. Like just have fun with it. Like we'll all that's be awesome. fine. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. That's a wrap on another episode of the Inspired Stories podcast. Thanks for learning with me today.